everybody. Welcome back to another episode of In the Zone. I'm Giancarlo Alino, and I'm here with Anthony Piniello and Chris Martelli. We've got a lot of hockey to cover today. A lot of uh, NHL draft news, draft trades, uh, free agency coming up, and maybe we'll eventually talk about wrestling. Hey. But Chris, take it away, buddy. Uh, yeah, so the draft was Friday night. A very, very boring Friday night if you want to look at draft as you know a complete show you know with trades there were no really big trades so that was kind of disappointing but when you look at the draft um it's a it's a big night for a lot of people a lot of young stars entering the league probably the best most exciting moment probably of their life one of them um so without further ado you know the devils drafted their right guy i think it was the right guy i'll you know i don't know if you agree with it like last week you said Kako first they selected Jack Hughes first overall. You know, he's five foot ten. He's only 160, but he has all the tools to be a franchise center. And the one thing that put him over everyone else was his skating ability. Very, very fast. They said he has a speed potentially of Connor McDavid and he has a skill of a Patrick Kane. So a lot of people are kind of they're seeing Jack Hughes as a very, very, very dangerous player coming right in. So what are you guys thoughts on Jack Hughes going number one? Uh, not really surprised with this. I think it's the perfect pick for the Devils. You solidify that. Eventually, number one center spot. You have him and Heeshire for the next however many years. Beautiful. Given what they did the next day, that team is just set up for the next little while. Yeah. And uh, now with Hughes and Heeshire, they got that one-two. They don't have to look for like all these centers just to fill holes like back then when they had like Zajac come in. <laughs> they had to <laughs> give them a big deal. So I like it for them. And uh, Hughes though, 160. He's gonna be in Jersey. Go to some of those Italian joints. Get some pizza. Get some pasta in the. <laughs> go to the gym. Get at least 10 pounds heavier. He'll be good. The the thing that I love with the Devils now the last couple of years they have been one of the more boring non-offensive teams and uh, what we saw last year Taylor Hall get 92 points and win the the Hart Trophy but. Now you have Jack Hughes, who is looking. He broke all the U.S. records. He broke Canes. He broke Bracco's. Will Jack Hughes change the complete atmosphere of the Devils franchise? I hope so, because like you said, they need someone. Well, no, because because when Nico Heischer got drafted, a lot of people thought right away he would be that offensive center, and he hasn't really been yeah. as offensive, as productive as we at least would have hoped. But Jack Hughes, I think he has that ability to change a franchise. Uh, yeah, I think it's there, but they should really get away from like all the pressure on him because he has Heischer and Hall there. They should just do it as a group together, and I think with the group they have there, they're capable of making some noise. Now, uh, moving forward, how about the Capocaco? A lot of people talk about consolation prizes. Jack Eichel went second that year. You know, Patrick Laine, 2016, Capocaco. This year is the consolation prize to the New York Rangers how good do you think Capocaco is going to be in his first year? Because a lot of people have said that he is more pro ready at six foot two, one ninety five. Yeah, he is pro ready compared to everyone else. He's a beast. He can step into the NHL right now and have an impact. I think. I think you can put him in for like the Calder finalist right now. I think he might even win it. Uh, he's going to score a lot of goals because he gets to the net. He fits into New York's uh, offense really well. So. I like Capocaco going to New York, and I think that's going to be – at least they have someone to build around for the next, like, five to ten years. I love that it's the Rangers, too, because I feel like he can just slide into that top role just a matter of time. Because, like, there's a lot of good players he can play with, even though the Rangers aren't, like, 
a top team anymore, but there's still a lot around him where he can progress a lot faster than he should. But yeah, the guy's a man-child. 18, he's going to come into the league, and I think he's just going to dominate. Well, we already saw what he did in that tournament, and he carried Finland to win it all, and that's insane. Um, But you want to talk about a franchise that went from nowhere to all of a sudden having one of the better prospect pools. It's the New York Rangers. I would have said maybe three years ago, I think I did say it, I, like this team is going to be a laughing stock for at least a couple of years because their prospect pool was very, very slim. I think at the time their best prospect was like Jimmy Vesey or Bushnevich, and that's not good enough to win anything. So you, you draft Lias Anderson, you draft Philip Cheidel, you, you trade for Brett Howden, and now you get Capocacco. And your team is looking like a young, up-and-coming team. And Capocacco, like you said, Zabanejad's a hell of a player. He's getting better every single time I see him on the ice. You could put Capocacco right away with like a Chris Kreider and a Zabanejad on the top line. Those three are all horses. They're all like 6'2", 200 pounds. So I'm not going to say the Rangers are a playoff team next year, but in the next couple years, don't be surprised if this is going to be a scary, scary team. But third overall... The last third overall pick going to the Blackhawks, Jonathan Taves, 2006. They take, for me, this was a weird pick. They took Kirby Doc, 6'4", 185, Saskatoon. I was actually predicting either Bowen Byram or Alex Turcotte going third. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I thought they would go D2. I thought both of you guys said forward, I believe, last week. But, yeah, I think, you know, this is just adding to their prospect pool. If anyone won the draft, it was basically just a standard draft, no trades, no nothing. The Hawks won because they jumped from like 13 or something to 3. So the fact that they move in there and they can take a guy who can potentially step in next year is just such a big win for them. Yeah, I like it for them. And it doesn't put this much pressure. I think last week I was saying that they would. this guy probably wouldn't play for maybe like close to five years. And at least now there's not pressure for him to come up because they made the trades for Oli Mata and then Calvin DeHaan. So there's time for him to develop and... Yeah, I like it for the Hawks. At least it gives them something long-term on their defensive end. They don't have a bunch of, like, 35-year-olds who they're going to have to buy out soon. So at least there's some hope for them. We will talk about that a little later on. But, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of people, when he got drafted, Kirby, they kind of compared him to a Dylan Strom in that he has the hockey IQ, not the greatest skater. But, again, uh, the Blackhawks are in a position where they don't have to really rush any prospects into playing. They have Dylan Strom. Jonathan Taves, I, w- I wouldn't say he's, he's in his prime anymore, maybe just out of it, but he's still a great player, still a pr- arguably a top 20 player in the NHL. And you have, of course, you have guys like Alex Dabrinkit, who I don't think we talk about him enough. I think this guy is uh, could be a, a, a consistent 40-goal scorer in this league. So um, I, I, li- I like the pick, but I still think I would have taken Alex Turcotte over Kirby Doc. That's just my opinion. But with that being said... Similar pick here for the Colorado Avalanche. Yes, they had the first pick. They dropped to fourth. We saw, uh, I think it was two years ago, they drafted Kale McCarr. This pick to me is very similar. They get Bowen Byram. What are your thoughts on this, D? I know that I'm crazy about this guy. I see a lot of Miro Heiskin in Byron Byram. Or Bowen Byram, sorry. I think this just <laughs> solidifies their top four going forward. Because yeah. you have Byram, you have McCarr, you have Gerard, who's... He's been playing a couple years. He's only 21. And who would you say the fourth? Timmins? Probably Connor Timmins. Tyson Berry's still there. He's in his 20s. I'm not trading him if I'm them. 
But yeah, this guy was compared to Morgan Riley. He's just a straight offensive <laughs> D, and this is awesome for them. Yeah, just looking at that when they compared him to Morgan Ryan, like, wow, a lot of pressure to put on a guy. Just He just gets drafted at 18, 19 years old. You're going to just already put that label on him. But I like it for them because they do have that defense core that's young. Their team is still really young, so he fits into their overall plan going forward. And Do you remember yeah. who Miro Heiskinen's uh, comparison was getting drafted? No. Nah. Do you, do you want to know who it was? Kind of, yeah. Nick Lidstrom. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. So we want to talk about praise and, like, high expectations. Heisken and that might have been, like, one of the biggest comparisons I've ever heard of. But, like, Byram, I guess I, – I, I'd say he might be better than Riley. I mean, I love his offensive game. I love his defensive game. He led the WHL in scoring. I think he had, like, 20-something goals too. So he he's a great offensive defenseman, but – I feel like Bowen Byram, his role now moving forward with Colorado, I think he's going to have to take more of a defensive approach to his game because Kale McCarr, to me, is going to be the better offensive defenseman than Bowen Byram. That's just my opinion. But, guys, I think the L.A. Kings won this draft, drafting Alex Turcott. Um, I don't remember who his comparable was. I think it was Mark Shifley. I could be wrong. But this guy, man... They screwed up. I would say maybe last year, two years ago, they drafted Gabriel Velarde. His skating is not the greatest, but, man, they get Alex Turcotte dropping to five. I think this is an absolute steal for them. They need a centerman because Kopitar is now 31. They really don't have anyone else, do they? No. The Kings are one of the uh, very few teams in the league where it's, okay, we can take this guy and we're better off. It's not like we need this position, this position. We need everything. So the fact that we're taking the best player available and the fact that it's Alex Turcotte at five, which most people had him gone at three, is a win for that team, big time. Yeah, especially for what they need. It's good that this is the kind of player that drops the five and not more of a defenseman because their forward group is rough. <laughs> Ilya Kolvachuk <laughs> coming in. He's making a lot of money. Too much money. He's getting old. I don't know how he still commanded that money, but... At least it gives them something going forward. Now, I want to talk about the sixth pick, probably the biggest surprise in the draft, Steve Eiserman going back to the Red Wings, and he wants to make, you know, headlines. He wants to make a splash, and he drafts this guy that literally I don't think anyone heard of out of the top ten. No one – I didn't I didn't hear this guy. Moritz Sider in the German league goes sixth overall to the Detroit Red Wings, and I'm pretty sure his comparable – was uh i think it was nick cronwall i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure stevie y had some big praise for this defenseman and he also said he sees him making the team out of training camp what are your thoughts on this draft well uh yeah i'm kind of with you with i have no idea who he was when he was announcing it from like del german i'm like who the fuck is from germany (laughs) And then they take this guy, and they were saying after he's arguably, they were showing like his combine stats. He was like the close to the top at almost everything. So the guy's an athlete and a half, and apparently he's very fast, a great skater. And they were interviewing Stevie Y, and they're like, yeah, we don't think this is out of reach. They think this is right here, and you know, we didn't reach on him. So they obviously believe in the kid, and he's also guess, a right-handed D, which is very coveted for some reason now. But it is, yeah, it is. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why. But yeah, a great of, skater moves the puck right-handed. Like, why the fuck does that matter? Yeah, like I, for the position, a lot of that. We've been talking about that too because we're we're all Leaf fans, and it's like, why are right-handed D so like their prized possessions now? 
Because everyone's left-handed. Is that why? Like, I think Bab started that he was with right Team Canada. Left, yeah. like we need a left and a righty. So, yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, uh, we'll, they love the kids, so we'll see how it goes going forward. And then, of course, we got Dylan Cozens going seventh. A lot of people had him like fourth all year. And then I saw another mock draft. They had him like 15th. So oh. I, I really don't know why it kind of he was all over the place, kind of like how Chikrin was a couple years ago. I really don't know. All I know is Buffalo, they have a lot of prospects that have not really panned out as well as they would have hoped. Like Alex Nylander hasn't really done anything. Um Casey Middlestad, I thought, would have been a little bit better last year, but he's still really good. I think he's got that offensive ability. But other than that, um, I don't know. Buffalo kind of, they're in limbo for me. But then you go to Edmonton. They get that defenseman back-to-back years. They drafted Evan Bouchard at this spot last year, and now they get Philip Broberg. I love that name. Broberg. Broberg. What do you guys think on this pick for the Edmonton Oilers? Well, they're finally loading up on D, which is something I haven't seen in my lifetime. I don't know if you guys can say otherwise, but nope. it'll be the same season pretty much going forward for them. They just got to keep building prospects. And, you know, they have him, they have Nurse, they have Bouchard. I don't know what they're going to do with Clefbaum, but, you know, they're they're building a nice bunch there. Yeah, probably. Uh, hope, they better hope it's not a bust because they've had a great history with that recently with Yakupov and basically everyone else they draft. So I don't know. I would... I wouldn't put too much stock in their defense just yet. Maybe once they play a full season in the league, see what kind of chemistry they have. But not really uh, too crazy about Edmonton's drafting recently. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just want to talk about a couple more picks. I don't want to get into all of them. But I want to just talk about the host pick, the Vancouver Canucks. They took the Russian, 10th overall, Vasily Podkolzin. What do you think his impact is going to be with this organization? I think most teams had him like as a coin flip. They didn't know if he was going to be top five or like bottom five in the first round. And when the Canucks took him, everyone was like so surprised. But I had him higher on my list because this guy's a fucking horse and he's a very smart player. And I think he's going to be an impactful NHL. I don't know when, but he will play for the Canucks and I think he'll make a difference. It's funny because um, you got to look at the World Juniors. And I remember I didn't watch a lot of it. I watched, I'm pretty sure, like most games, but... I watched, I think, two Russia games, and this guy literally was the best player on the ice every time I saw him. And I'm pretty sure for most of the the mock drafts, he was around where Detroit was, sixth, fifth overall. And him going 10th to Vancouver last year or two years ago when they drafted Pedersen, that was a reach. A lot of people are saying here at 10, this might either be a steal or a reach. They were, they don't really know the identity of Pod Colson yet, but... I agree with Pinello. I think this guy is going to be a horse. I think he's going to fit right in the right wing there, probably be on the second line with Bo Horvat for the coming years. So um, I like uh, I like Vancouver. I think I, they don't get enough credit. Uh, the last couple of years, they their prospect pool has just been flat out almost perfect. They've drafted amazing players. So they keep falling in the draft too. Yeah, <laughs> I think every single steal like this one. <laughs> I, th- I think Paul Colson might be a steal, but I also want to talk about the 13th pick, um, the Florida Panthers taking their goaltender, Spencer Knight. I guess they think this is the goaltender of the future. Was this a smart move for Florida? No, because you, I know they're trying to do it maybe because they think Luongo might retire, and then they'll leave them with Reimer, and uh, they think maybe let's draft this goalie. He'll come in and hopefully be a number one eventually, but... 
if you're going to be going after uh, Bobrovsky, you don't want to say, oh, we got this young goalie that's going to probably replace you in two years after we sign you an eight-year deal and we're going to look at trading you. So if you want to build like trust in the guy that you want to go after, you want to say for the next eight years, you're undoubtedly the number one. And now this prospect might uh, do something to their plans to sign Bobrovsky. I don't. I feel like it won't affect the Bob situation though, because he's 30 years old now, and by the time Spencer would be able to play, it would be what four or five years down the line. Well, goalies, the 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 shitty thing is, is it's unpredictable. Like they could play at 21, like John Gibson did, or they can. They'll come in at like 27. Yeah, or that. <laughs> so there's really goalies. It's it's tough. That's why I I would never draft a goalie in the top. 15 nowadays because you know how hard it is to get good goalies in drafts like it's it's really hard to scout goalies like even in the first round in general it's usually a miss but from florida's standpoint if they feel like this is the guy going forward and you go down their depth chart they re- really don't have anything i don't mind the move but i'm with you guys where you can get goalies late in the draft and it pans out most times well like the last goalie to go in the first round was vashalevsky but you're looking like after that like is Ilya Samsonov going to be, like, amazing for Washington? Like, I don't think you had to draft him in the first round in 2015. I actually haven't heard his name since yeah, that draft. Either. That's what I mean. So, like, I feel like with goalies, you could kind of pump the brakes and wait a little bit. 13th overall is kind of it's kind of high. So, I don't know much about Spencer Knight, but I hope, I hope he pans out for Florida because they definitely do need a goalie. Um and then, of course, I want to talk maybe two more picks. Cole Caulfield. I had him going to the Buffalo Sabres at seven. And he dropped to a division rival, the Montreal Canadiens, at 15th overall. I think this might be the steal of the draft. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on Cole Caulfield's game? Very similar to uh, Alex DeBrinket. Just very speedy, straight shooter. I don't know. I guess teams weren't feeling him. They thought he wasn't the best player because uh, he's only five seven. There's a lot more two-way guys out there, and you know he just kind of has. If there's one, he might be the best at his dimension in the draft, just straight goal scoring. But yeah, he fell to the Habs, and it's going to be fun seeing him light us up for the next ten years. I think Buffalo didn't <laughs> take him because they were looking at Sam Reinhart and then Alex Nylander, who have that like similar build a little bit, but they're speedy. They score goals, and they're Probably looking at, okay, Nylander, we took a chance on him. Didn't really pan out for us. Maybe we shouldn't take the risk on this kid and we'll go with someone else. So I think that's why they maybe were a little hesitant on that. But, yeah, I think he should have gone to Buffalo. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't really understand why people still care about size. Um, the guy who went first, how much did he weigh? 160. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand why size nowadays is a big it's like for some gms it's still a big deal it's like oh i don't want a five foot seven 170 pound player i want the six three 210 it's like yeah but the five foot seven 165 could actually score 40 goals like alex the brinkett like patrick kane like all these other guys that we've seen like how big is nikita kucherov like 510 180 and he got 128 points last year. So to me, size is not really a – it's not a thing anymore. It hasn't been a thing for me, at least for a while now. I think every so, team has like a couple power forwards and half the league is under six feet now. I mean, like I guess the ideal build is like a McKinnon or a Shifley to draft. But like if there's a Kane or someone else there, I'm going to take him if he has the skills. So 
To me, I don't understand size anymore. I don't think it's a big deal, but some GMs still really take that seriously. But the last pick I want to talk about, um, it's Ryan Suzuki going 28th overall. I had him going 15th to um, the Montreal Canadiens. He actually went to the Carolina Hurricanes 28th. This may be the centerman that replaces Jordan Stahl down the line. What are you guys' thoughts on Ryan Suzuki going? All I know about him is that he's another small, skilled guy, and that's probably why he dropped. But at the same time, there's so many of them. But like, I had him higher in the draft, too, because you just look at his stats that he puts up, and he's going to be in juniors for another two years. He's going to get another couple hundred point season. It's going to look pretty dumb down the line. I think he should have gone at least 10 spots higher. It, well, the only reason for me he went so low is he's six feet, 170, and he's a centerman. So he's not a big centerman. So I think Carolina as well right now, they have the wiggle room and they have obviously the patience to wait on Ryan Suzuki. So I think it's a good pick for them, and I think it could also be a steal. Definitely. But moving on from the draft, it's going to be a crazy Canada day here. Um, free agency is always fun. Um I want to get into the top UFAs to start because the RFAs, I think, are a lot more stacked this year and it's more fun to talk about. We're going to start with the UFAs. The top UFA available is Artemi Panarin. Where do you guys think he will sign and what is the offer you would give him? Because I've heard some teams go for 10 mil and I've heard some teams go almost 11 mil for Panarin. What would you give the 27-year-old? I'm probably giving him... In between 10 and 11. Uh, I'm still sticking with my pick with the Florida Panthers. They have so much room and they have to do something with it given the team that they already have. Guys like Barkov and Huberto and Ekblad. They're kind of ready now. Like They're still young. But, you know, they're they're ready to make a jump. And I think Panarin and possibly the other guy you're about to say might be going there. Oh, my. Yeah, Florida probably... If they're owners now, it looks like they want to spend and compete. And I don't know who likes hockey in Florida, but they want to attract that audience to the arena and sunrise. But another team I wouldn't rule out is Vancouver getting Panarin because their owners are rich. They got the money and they want to put butts in the seats again. They want to bring like attention back in Vancouver. Pedersen's there. Uh, they got a lot of great talent like Brock Besser. So if you can get Panarin into that group, I wouldn't rule them out for a playoff spot next year. Call me crazy, but I can see Artemi Panarin going to Denver, going to Colorado, and be with Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. They do? Don't they have like 20 million? Because here's here's my pitch. If I'm the Colorado Avalanche, I know you just said you would not trade Tyson Berry, but if I, if I, if I can trade Tyson Berry and get Artemi Panarin in return – I'm doing that. Um, if like, I'm just trying to picture. I think they have 33 million in cap space next year, and I know Rantanen's going to want maybe 10, maybe nine. I'm not. I'm not really sure. But you get rid of Barry's. I think he's at like 5.75. You get rid of that contract. You bring Panarin in, and then things are starting to look very scary in Colorado. So um, I'm not counting that out. Uh, I think Panarin made it very clear that he wants to play with a young, promising player. And I think who other than Nathan McKinnon. So I'm going to say Colorado. I'm going to say this will be a surprise. And he will sign with Colorado. 
But moving on from a former Colorado Avalanche, Matt Duchesne is also a UFA. I've heard actually that he's talked with the Blue Jackets coming back. He's talked with the Ottawa Senators of potentially going back there. Don't know why you'd want to go back there. Um, And I've also heard that he may want to go to the Nashville Predators now with P.K. Subban leaving. Where do you guys have Matt Duchesne going? I think Nashville. I think the whole point of them trying to trade P.K. Subban was to get enough cap room to get your Roman Yossi a long-term extension and to give uh, something to Duchesne where he'll want to come there. So I think Duchesne will be a Nashville Predator, but you're going to have to pay whatever Subban's contract was, $9 million, to get him there. I, I also have him to Nashville. I just feel like the last few years they try to go out and get the biggest fish and they try to get more they try to get more uh, deeper at center and I don't think he's worth what the number that's being thrown out there like Panarin money maybe just a little under but I think Nashville will be the team to give it to him. Well the thing with with Duchesne that's very kind of like if he is he's 28 He's put up, what, three great seasons? He had 70 in 2013. After that, it was kind of – like, this year he was great. But other than – right? uh, yeah. uh, I think this year, what do you have, 70 you – know, Columbus. 70, 73 or 72, something like that. So he had a great season. He deserves the money that has been thrown out there. But at the same time, you got to kind of be careful with Nashville. Ryan Johansson has a pretty steep contract. Kyle Turris has a pretty steep contract. I don't think you want to pay three centermen on one team around like an average of like $6 million. So if I'm Nashville, I'm kind of pumping the brakes with Duchesne, kind of see if you can maybe get a 7.5, not a 9. But Matt Duchesne is a very, very good centerman. So um, I think he's going to be asking for quite a bit. And if Nashville is going to be giving them the money that he wants, then – I guess Ryan Johansson becomes the second line center and maybe Kyle Turris asks for a trade. I have no idea, but Kyle Turris to me, the last couple of years is his game has definitely kind of fallen a bit and it sucks to say that uh, maybe he can take a third line role there and maybe his production will go up. I have no idea, but Matthew Shane is a little more unpredictable for me. I really don't know where he's going to end up. Maybe Nashville though, in the long run. Um, next is Bobrovsky. He's basically been only linked to two teams for me. It's been Florida and it's been Columbus. Where do you guys think he stay? Do you think he goes to Florida? Yeah, I have him in Florida, the, the package deal there. I think they're all in. This is the year. They're going to go after both of them. Yeah, Florida. Damn it. Unfortunately for Columbus. <laughs> if they both stay in Columbus. Unfortunately, yeah. I like that team with Torts. But I think they're going to go to Florida. Here's the thing. Why does no one want to stay in Columbus? No, like, with the young core that they have, why would you not want to stay there? I think it's just a city. Like, maybe they feel like, well, if we go and join this big team of prospects in Florida, it might get a market there that wants to watch us play. Like, you have Zach Wierenski, who two years ago on NHL's, uh, I think it's top 10 or top 25 under 25, he was number one on the list for D. He was number one. You have Seth Jones, who to me is a top five defenseman in the league, maybe top maybe top three after next year because his game is elevating and it's going his, – basically his game is going on a pace that I have not seen. Like he is just transcending. He's just – he went from a 35-point guy, maybe a top 4D, to becoming a 60-point defenseman and a franchise D – 
And this guy, I, I just, it's all good stuff I have to say about Seth Jones. And Pierre-Luc Dubois has proved me wrong every year that I've seen him. I, I don't know. Like I would, if I was in Columbus, I would want to stay because I have three great pieces right there. I haven't even mentioned a couple other guys. Like maybe if Alex Weinberg kind of improves his game, Oliver Bjorkstrand. Like you have other guys, I think that can make me stay. But I guess Bobrovsky and Panarin have other plans. Yeah, I think they just see Barkov, they see Huberto, and they just think and Ekblad's there too. I think they feel that's probably a winning situation for them. Damn it. I would say in Columbus, so I want to go to Florida. Yeah, Ken Atkinson, too. Yeah. Didn't even say his name. That guy every single year has progressed since 2013. Remember, was it two years ago on my dad's pool? I, I think I listed like nine players, and this was like the 12th round. I'm like, yeah, like out of all these players, he's like, just get Cam Atkinson. He's getting better every year. He had like 25 last year. Just take him. And I think he had like 37 that year. All he was an all star, so good, 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 uh, good eye, Pinello. Yeah. But uh, yeah, up next is uh, Joe Pavelski, and now this is a guy where 34 years old. It's funny because uh, Mass thinks he's 27. Sure. <laughs> um, he kind of peaked at an older age. You know, he was kind of like a Patrick Sharp. He was probably at his best at like 30 years old when he had 40 goals in 2014. If you're the Sharks, do you sign him to like a minimum and just kind of want to see if you could win next year? Like a one-year deal thing? Like a one-year, 2.5. Or, or if you're Joe Pavelski, do you want like at least a bridge deal at like $4 million? If you're Joe Pavelski, you probably want three-, four-year deal. But uh, if I'm any team in the league, I'm looking at this guy and saying, I'll give you one year for $5 mil, and it's going to be a team that's close to the top of the standings looking to go over. To win the cup, I, I think it so would you be would San Jose. S- though. Yeah, so yeah, okay. I would stay in San Jose, and if I would take just this one year, take a lower offer, like a two and a half mil or something, because San Jose is going to get Marlow back probably for the minimum. Thornton will probably go back for the minimum. So if you look at their team, I would take one more shot with them because I think this is their best opportunity with Carlson coming back. And if you don't go to the finals or win it next year, you can go wherever you want. Now, me, the biggest question with the Sharks, they have so many free agents this year. LeBanc, Meyer, Pavelski, Joe Thornton, four big names. And if one of them has to go, I think we all assume it's Joe Thornton. It's Big Joe. It's not Little Joe. And um, Joe Pavelski, I think this guy, he had 60 points this year. He's 34 years old. I still think he has another good year left in him. So if I'm a team... I would do what you just said. I would maybe go five mil for one year, kind of like what the Habs did with Radulov all those years back, and then they screwed up and traded him, or they just didn't sign him. Um, so I don't really know where Joe Pavelski would land other than San Jose. Like It's one of those situations where I only see him in San Jose. I don't see him anywhere else. So Washington, maybe? Or- maybe Washington, maybe Pittsburgh if uh, – Apparently Pittsburgh wants to try and get Panarin, which is crazy. Like I don't know where they think the cap is. Well, I, I heard I heard <laughs> I heard Malkin might get traded to Florida. That's what I heard, and that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, that'll set them back. Yeah. If anything, because I remember uh, there was a tr- I saw this article. It's like it was Malkin and one of their young D. I think it was I think it was Mata or someone else before he got traded, um, and it was for Huberto. Um, Someone else, I think it was Borgstrom, which is 
two huge young like those are big pieces for Malkin. So it was basically it's basically Huberto for Malkin. And what that makes no sense. Huberto also got more points than Malkin this year. Yeah. So and he's 10 years younger. Yeah. Like, everything you see online you don't really believe at all. So with Pavelski, I I I just think he's going to stay in in San Jose, but don't be surprised if a team like Chicago if they want to make the playoffs next year, they'll try and go after a Joe Pavelski. Um, up next we got is Tyler Myers, big free agent. Um, do the Leafs try and get Tyler Myers? He's yeah. been linked to the Leafs for a, quite a while. Who needs a right-handed D? Every team in the fucking league because they're so coveted. <laughs> They'll be Mike Babcock. <laughs> well, I don't. I have no idea what team he sh- he's going to go to. Maybe Pittsburgh. Maybe Vancouver. He's a. Uh, He's one of those guys that he's been overrated for so long that just recently he's a little underrated now. Yeah. Because he can still play 17, 18 minutes. He doesn't have to put up 40 points. You know, he's still a gamer. He's, he's also, yeah, he's like 27. Yeah. He's still, still fairly young. So, what did you give him, though? Like, a lot of people are saying six to seven. Like, nah, that's, that's insane. That's no, I, I would, I would give him like, a bridge deal at like 4.5. Someone's going to give him six. Some stupid team. Probably Toronto, but someone's going to give him six. No. Would you pay him high for just a couple years? For one, I would. For one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The one, the one D that I know is going to ask for six is Jake Gardner. That's the one yeah. D I know because he is coming into this free agency at a cap at a 4.5, I think, or four. And he's I think been good the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think he's going to come in solid power play quarterback. I think he's going to come in and be like, hey, I got 50 points two years ago. I got like 30 last year. I had a plus – I think he was like a plus 19 last year, Gardner. But um, I think he's going to want like six. And I think it, I think it's going to be funny when I see a team, they're going to they're gonna sign him for six mil. Someone's going to do it. Someone's going to do it. And uh, it's going to be pretty funny. I, I think it's going to be – I don't know why – I just see Edmonton taking Jake Gardner. <laughs> I don't know why. I see. I just see Edmonton signing Jake Gardner. If it's not Edmonton, I see LA signing him. I was. Uh, I was actually going to say Anaheim. No, yeah, thinking of their back end. I'm like, they don't really. If Randy was there. <laughs> I mean, I... okay. The, the thing with Anaheim, they have Hampus Lindholm, who has not developed as the offensive D they've wanted. They traded Brandon Montour, who. Might have been their best offensive D at the time. And now, like, yeah, so you have Lindholm, you have Cam Fowler, who, not the greatest offensive D either. So if you want that offensive D, I guess Jay Garner is that guy, but. And he lost Vatnin. There's a lot of teams that need a Jay Garner. Like, Minnesota, too. Like, I feel like they don't have. Like, Dumba's a great offensive D, but that guy's never healthy. And Spurgeon, I feel like he's going to get traded any day now. Cause like I hear him, I hear him in trade rumors every day. Him and Brodine, I hear him those two in trade rumors every single day. To make room for who though? They just don't like him. I don't know. I just feel like Brodine has been a butt, considered a bust for them, ever since he got drafted. And they're like, yeah, we just want to part ways with you. We just kind of want to move on. So I don't know. I mean, Jake Gardner, does he deserve six? Probably not. But a team's gonna pay it. Yeah. Definitely. So, not surprised with that. Next is, you're a big fan of this guy, Anders Lee. Sure. What is this guy worth? Because two years ago, he should have got 50 goals. So, <laughs> what is it? What is this? He, he, he's coming off a cap hit of 3.75. Now, that's concerning because I think he's going to want around 6 million. 
which team is going to sign Anders Lee to six mil? I'm telling you right now, it's not the Islanders. Because if the Islanders saw this guy as their long-term captain, a deal would have been done by now. So who takes Anders Lee? I'm a little flustered now because I was going to say the Islanders. Yeah. <laughs> Just, um, he's How old is he? 27? 27. I don't know if they're going to sign him to money to like, okay, you're the guy, lead the way for us. It's just another good player that they want to lock up. But he's obviously going to get like probably double what he's getting now. Yeah. Because he's had two 40-goal seasons. But I, I see him still on Long Island though. The reason I'm saying he doesn't sign there is because Robin Leonard is also a free agent. Uh, yeah. And Matthew Barzell is a free agent next year. And they just extended Jordan Eberle for some stupid reason. So I don't see them. I don't see him fitting in their plans. Would you? Because um, they have so I, much. Uh, I see Leonard being the guy that gets signed over Lee. Can you see like a Vegas or a Colorado? Because they have twenty-five plus. I don't see Anders Lee. I don't see the need for Vegas to sign Anders Lee because they have Pacioretty and Stone and yeah, March or so. Alex Tuck is still like 22 years old, so they don't really need him. I, I think Anders Lee would fit actually in Detroit. Um, I think he would be a good a good fit there. Maybe you know he was a captain for a year. Maybe show Dylan Larkin the ropes a bit. Um, Anthony Manta as well. He's a great player. Anders Lee is a guy where. For me, watching free agency, it's going to be fun to see where he goes because to me, he's probably one of the more unpredictable signings. I really don't know where he's going to end up. Even if he signs with the Islanders, it's going to be one of those where I'll be like, well, this is going to arguably affect the future um, of your team. So if I'm Matthew Barzell next year, I'm probably going to ask for maybe $8 million because that guy is money and he is going to be your number one centerman for quite some time. And Anders Lee, like you said... 40 goals last year. This year, I think he had around 29, but he was more of a complete player and he had a very good year. He actually led this team to the playoffs. And when you look at it, when you don't have John Tavares, that's a big deal. So whatever they did, whatever Lou Lamorello did, whatever Barry Trotz did, he made it work. Um, and if I'm management, I'm trying my best to sign all the players that I had this year just so I can make it back to the playoffs. But yeah, that I don't see Anders Lee signing with them with the sole reason that Robin Leonard is a free agent this year. That's why. I I have them signing him. I think I'm more convinced with the because they signed Eberle. That they too. wouldn't sign him. I just I just have Robin Leonard as their number one priority right now. Yeah, it's good for him too because he really did break through this year. Yeah, and and you kind you kind of I saw it coming because he was a first rounder. Like I kind of saw that potential in him. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad for him. But next we're going to talk about another defenseman who's been pretty solid. He was a former Leaf, Anton Strawman. Where do you guys have him going? Do you guys have him staying with a little cheap deal in Tampa Bay, you know, trying to win a cup? He's kind of older now. So where do you guys have Anton Strawman going? Yeah, I think he's one of these guys he can really go anywhere. And anyone can use a, I don't want to say utility guy because he's still pretty heavily relied on these days. But I still see him... Uh, Staying in Tampa, maybe taking a pay cut there. Yeah, I think Tampa, Columbus would be another option. Uh, Nashville would be another option. But I don't think, like for him, I think take a short-term deal, maybe a one-year 2.5 or $3 million. And then after this year where you build up enough stock and then next year's free agent class isn't so heavy and loaded with all these scores, then maybe you can get a 
good three-year deal with like four million dollars it's crazy because i'm looking at like all the d available and i think the leafs might need to go after this guy and i think if i'm the leafs i'm dubis i'm gonna try and maybe sign him for like two million one year kind of like a hainsey deal if hainsey doesn't come back and i hear that the leafs want to bring him back one more year which is good because he's been pretty good for us and uh but moving on, you know, we just talked about Robin Leonard. He only made $4 million last year, and he almost won the Vesna Trophy. It's actually amazing to think about because he had a 930 save. And that's, um, that's a big deal. He had 25 wins. The only reason why he only had that was because him and Grice split it all year. And um, he had six shutouts. And that's a, that's a crazy stat. So they gambled on Leonard last year, and he got the job. Then he won the Bill Masterton Trophy, and he was a finalist for the Vesna. What – if you're – okay, if you're the Islanders, what is the minimum you're signing Robin Leonard? Are you going to sign him a bridge deal? Because he is 27. Probably looking around uh, – Like 5.5? Uh, maybe a little more. Like 6 mil? I was going to say like 6.5 around that. Okay. That's, that's, that's starting goalie money. Yeah, <laughs> six and a half for three years. I think is what he's gonna look for. Then when he's thirty, he's gonna want eight or nine. Okay. Um, next we got Gustav Nyquist. Where the hell is that guy gonna go? <laughs> I don't see him signing with the. I don't see him signing with the Sharks. That's for sure. No. Ooh. You want to take this one? <laughs> There's a lot of options for like Cause his, Detroit maybe. Because his salary cap is also not good. Yeah. Like he's coming off a four point seven five contract. So what do you think he's like expecting to get? Because he's 28. I think he'll get around the, the same. same. Yeah. Maybe a tad more. I think he's going to want term, like more years, like yeah. four to five I, years. That's what I think. Settle too. for a two-year deal. Can you see uh, Dallas? Any chance? I could see Edmonton. Yeah. Signing Edmonton. Gustav Knight. They need a they need a winger. Pull Yarvi's in a pride dip. They need a winger. Um, it was Taylor Hall. <laughs> so I guess the closest thing is Gustav Nyquist. Unless, unless unless you're you're praying that Kyler Yamamoto plays all year and becomes a stud and plays with McDavid, but all right, so Nyquist to Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll say I'll say I'll say Edmonton is a good bet yeah, because Lucic. Sure, yeah, it's actually a good bet. Uh, two more UFAs I want to talk about quick, and then we'll go into RFAs. Uh, Ryan Dezingle and Matt Zuccarello. Where do you have these guys going? Dezingle, I can see in Colorado. I could see him in Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> I could see him going back to Ottawa, yeah. You know, I look at the Avs, and like I love the way their team's set up. I just feel like they need more depth. I don't know if they'll sign a Panarin because that's fucking monstrous, but you know, a guy like Dezingle, 20 goals, around 50 points, can be solid for them. Yeah, Colorado, uh, another team like Edmonton or Calgary, one of the Alberta teams. Or if he wants to stay in Columbus, I think he can get a good deal considering if Panarin wants leaving, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's his opportunity to get a big deal if he wants to stay. And of course, the last guy, Zuccarello, 4.5 mil was his last contract. Um, I, I don't know why. I could see this guy going to arbitration. I don't know why. Um, I feel like this guy's asking price might be a little bit steeper than most expect because he's had 450 point seasons. And he consistently puts up points. Like he got injured with Dallas and then he came back and he put up 11 points in 13 playoff games. So like I really don't know where I put him when it comes to salary. Like I really have no idea. I guess maybe 6 mil. But he's also 31. So 
I don't really know where I put Zuccarello. That's why I can see an arbitration case happening where he'll get like seven mil for one year. <laughs> like, I, like I have no idea where he goes. Like no idea. I can kind of see him on the Devils. I can too. But like, do you really want to fuck up that Paul Mary chemistry? Like, I don't think you do. Well, he's he's a guy where he's he's not. He doesn't have to be your go-to guy. Like you said, he'll put up 50-something points. I mean, you can have him on the third line and put him on the second power play. He'll still get some time. But here, that's the thing. Where, like, What's his money? Like, What are you signing him? Because uh, Paul Mary's getting like four. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think you can look at any team, though, and be like, you can't give him this much because player X is making this much. So either way, you may have to deal with that. But for Zuccarello, maybe low sixes. I think term will be an issue there because he is 31. He does have some big injury issues. Couldn't say the alphabet a few years ago because of his concussed so bad. Yeah, I remember bad. that. That was bad, yeah. That's bad. I hope he gets paid, though, because he is a gamer. Get it cleared for that before you sign a contract. I'm getting, like, 10 doctors if you want $6 million for <laughs> especially the amount of years. Sit him down in a quiet room, do a test first, and then see where it goes, but... I think the Eastern Conference is a better fit. The more skilled teams are there and doesn't have to worry about getting thrown into the boards in the West by like all those heavier teams. So Washington, maybe, if they can fit them on their team, I think that would be a good fit with Backstrom. Or oh New Jersey. Playmaking Central over yeah. there. New Jersey, probably. Now, we talk about how the NHL is a very young game now. Um, I want to talk about RFAs. And I want to talk about... How important this list is, not only for this year, but for just the future of the league. I'm going to give you names right now. And these are all RFAs, all these guys. 15 guys here. I'm going to go from 15 to 1 because I I don't want to say the best one first. Save for last. So number 15 is Kevin LeBanc. Now, we just saw his postseason. This guy looks like he could get 60 points in this league. I'm not counting that out. Um... Number 14, David Riddich, goalie for Calgary. Uh, he's flat out better than Mike Smith. I have to say that now because Mike Smith has fallen off. Number, guess who? This guy was number one on the under 25D list. He's 13th on this list. Zach Wierenski is an RFA. Jordan Binnington is 12th <laughs> on this list. 11, Patrick Laine. Number 10, Kyle Connor. Nine is Jacob Truba. Eight is Charlie McAvoy. Seven is Brock Besser. Six is Timo Meyer. Five is Matt Kachuk. Four is Miko Rantanen. Three is Sebastian Aho. Two is Mitch Marner. And number one is Braden Point. These are all restricted free agents. Now, guys, what the hell are these guys going to ask for? Because all these guys' names I just mentioned are all potential franchise guys. Just give them all 12 mil. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not 10, hang up the phone. <laughs> okay, so I want to start with Kevin LeBanc. What would you give this guy if you are the Sharks? Probably start with the bridge deal. Three, four years. Three, four mil. Like, we all know what he may become, but until we see it, I don't want to break the bank for him yet because they do have other issues there in San Jose. They do. I'd give him a two-year bridge. Like, 2.7 the first year and then, like, point the next year i think that's probably one of the only rfas that you can actually get a bridge deal out of right now yeah now out of all these rfas who do you think is going to break bank the most 
probably Marner, given where the fuck he plays. Kalaine, too. He's going to want a lot. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Line A getting the most. I think this guy's gonna get around eleven million dollars. And I think it's gonna be a very, very similar deal with Matthews. I think I don't think he's gonna get eight years. I think he's gonna get five, and I think it's gonna be eleven mil. And I think that's it's a respectable deal, but again, if I'm Winnipeg, I'm not doing that because he didn't prove himself this year. So I don't know. What would you do with Rowensky then? Because Wierenski, they just swept Tampa the first round. Wierenski, to me, is – I'm looking at him for D. I think he's going to get $7 million. You could kind of compare the Aaron Ekblad deal. Yeah. Um, I guess you could do that. Do you want to compare that? What was it? What's Aaron Ekblad? 8.25? Or 7. It's 7 something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like I, 7 I, and 8 you really, every other year or something. I could see Wierenski, like looking at that contract and me like, I guess I want something similar like that. I don't know if Columbus sees him as that franchise uh, defenseman. I definitely do. Yeah. Um, so I think I would give him around 7.5. That's that's just how it is. I don't know how much how much is Seth Jones getting. I know it's a very cheap deal. It's very is good. Is he still on the fives? He's yet to sign the long term? I think it's 5.75. Which is still amazing. Yeah. That's, <laughs> a, that's incredible. Um, how about Jordan Bennington? What are you giving this guy? Because he, to me, to me, he's he's proven, but at the same time, he's not proven. Matt Murray-ish. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. He might be better than him. Um, oh no, just the way he's. Coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what would you give him? Six. S- six. Oh, uh, maybe not yet. So you bridge him. I I try to bridge him. I don't think he. <laughs> I don't think he's looking for a bridge deal. That's that's the biggest thing here. Kinda, he's twenty six, I think. It's okay. So I think he's going to be looking for at least a five-year deal. Maybe like what Florida did with Reimer, like a five-year deal and five mil per. Yeah. Because he has only played half a season. But he won the cup. But he yeah. did ev- <laughs> He did literally everything right. <laughs> and he won the cup. And it, like that's St. Louis's first cup ever. And ever. he was a goalie to do it. And they've been in the league since. They were one of the first expansion teams in the NHL. I think uh, my favorite visual, though, was when Jake Allen was lifting it. Like, yeah. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, like you you literally did nothing. What a funny guy. Yeah. Um, other than that, we got Patrick Laine. Yeah, it's, Laine can come in and say, I want this. And I'll say, yes, sir. Ten plus years. He had a shit third year. Everyone knows this. He showed up in November and that was pretty much it. I look at what he's done and what I think he's going to be. I, th- I think he's, you know, he's going to be up there with the best players in the league. I think if he had a good year, you would have had leverage if you didn't want to pay him because then you could have traded him around. And But now with his trade value not being as high, I think you ha- you're going to have to pay him. But I would try to get a three-year deal for 11 each year because that's what you're going to be stuck with no matter what. He'll go to arbitration, and then the arbitrator will say, he got all these goals two years ago. You got to pay him now $12 million. You know what I could see? I could see him either getting 11 mil for five, or I could see him getting like eight and a half for eight, which is fine. Yeah. That's a deal I would accept. Um, then, of course, we got his buddy, his partner, Kyle Connor. How much is this guy worth? I think he's right there with Lainey. Oh, no, no. I was gonna say a little, maybe north of six. No, more seven, maybe six and a half. I think I think what this guy has done, I think he needs at least seven million. Yeah, at least seven million because he put up thirty back to back. If 
they were to sign Line A and they have Connor to that, we'll say you have to get rid of Ehlers. Yeah, because yeah. like yeah, we're big Connor fans. We this is it's kind of uncharted territory though. No one there hasn't been a number set for Connor really. No, but when you look at stats and you look at what players have gotten in the past, like Evander Kane and what especially what Jeff Skinner just got, like it doesn't help it like Winnipeg's case. So I see Connor getting like seven. Like minimum, minimum seven. We see what Kevin Hayes got. Like that kind of ruins it for them. So they're gonna have to give Connor probably. That ruins it for Marner. I think. I think Marner looks at that. He's like, I want twelve million. Like (laughs) that helps Kadri because they're kind of similar in like the where they're positioned in the lineup. Yeah, I think. I think. I think that's a great comparison actually with Kadri. Kadri's getting five, or not even four point seven five, and Hayes is getting seven now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, okay. poor Eric. They got Kevin Hayes, and now they got JVR. Well, they had JVR, whose contract was head-scratching, head and um, now Kevin Hayes. So my condolences. Yeah. They also have Andrew McDonald's contract still. Oh, they bought him out. Oh, did they? Oh, <laughs> oh they did. Five-point whatever. Oh, Awful. Times. Awful term. <laughs> Up next is Jacob Truba just went to the Rangers. How much would you sign him? You have to give him whatever. Because he, he like I said last <laughs> podcast, he's been in arbitration every yeah, year. So what do you like? I know his agent is stubborn as hell. So what are you giving this guy? I, I don't uh, think he's worth more than six million. Neither do I, but I think he's gonna finish with like seven and a half. It depends. <laughs> it, it depends how the management sees him because they don't have that number one D. They got Shattenkirk. I'll talk about him a little bit later in this pod. Not for good reasons, um, but I guess yeah. If you want to sign him seven and a half or eight years, then that's your D. That has to be your D. And I don't see Truba as a number one D. I don't. Number I never two. have. I've never seen him as a top D. I see him as a top four D, maybe like a second pairing. He could be a power play quarterback if he really wanted to, but I don't see him worth more than six million dollars i really like truba too it's just he's been hurt every other year so you haven't had a full year of uh scouting of what he can do but i think this past year he put up like 50 points in 60 games but it's it's a tough it's 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 tough to tell with with truba for sure yeah like he's a guy like i look at him and like he has all the talent in the world he put up 50 points in in a full year this year he played all he played every game he had 50 so the fact that he got 50, like, I guess it helps his case. But again, he was in arbitration last year. He only got 5.5 one year. Um, he averaged 22 minutes last year. So, yeah, he can fetch, I guess, 7 mil. But I don't. I wouldn't pay him $7 million. That's just me. I mean, I'd rather have a Zach Wierenski any day of the week. That's just my opinion. Um, next is another defenseman. This is actually a very crucial move for Boston. Um, Charlie McAvoy is an RFA. He's been injury prone for most of his career so far but when he plays man this guy's special what are you giving this guy i think i might be giving this guy a bridge deal kind of like what seth jones got i still feel like he'll get an eight-year deal (laughs) (laughs) i hope so i hope he gets an eight-year nine mil i hope he i hope they break bank with him (laughs) me too but uh i don't think he's done enough where you can say that's why they have seven and a half a year and all that but i just i think he'll get it just because the hype is there and uh, the way he performed in the playoffs. 
What do you think, Colina? What are you giving McAvoy? It's another tough one. Thinking like it is tough, like man. Six maybe for two years. Two years. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm doing for three years. I'll do like six point two five for three years. That's a See how one. you do. Like, I don't know how you can give him seven. Like, there's just too many uncertainties with him. Would you rather have McAvoy or Wierenski? Wierenski. Uh, Wierenski to me is more complete. I think. Like I, I think so far in the careers you have to go with Wierenski. But like McAvoy, we haven't really seen what he can do yet. I don't think in a full year. Played his rookie year and then played like half of this year. Half of this year came in the playoffs, averaged like 26. So I think with ice time and like the amount he plays and what he does, I could see him being like a Wierenski. Like they're around the same. But right now, I think Wierenski is gonna get the bigger. I think he's gonna get the bigger contract. I think I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did like an eight-year, eight mil. Like I would, I literally wouldn't be surprised with that, because like their D is so, it's like a big what if. Like I look at their D, it's a big what if. Like you have Tory Krug at 27, 28. How many more years is he gonna play? 23, 24 minutes, get 60, 50 points. Like not a lot of D do that. Brandon Carlo, he's a free agent next year. How much is that guy gonna want? So Dano Chara is playing another year. So like. This blue line is basically beaten up, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much McAvoy's gonna want. I, I guess when you look at Boston's management, I guess you want to lock up McAvoy. I, I I would assume. So, I, I mean, an eight-year deal is not out of the question, but I think this guy I'm gonna say next definitely needs a long-term deal. Brock Besser, I think you need to lock him up. I think this is a guy. Yes, he he was injured last year. He played like 55 games. He had like 50 points. I think. What we saw last year from him and what we saw the year before with the All-Star game and all that, I think you have to lock this guy up eight years. Yeah, just this is your go-to guy. This is a guy who's going to finish plays nine times out of ten. Yeah. I'm locking him up for whatever he wants, really. Nine mil. Yeah. <laughs> I'd go him nine mil for five years. Because then when the salary cap goes up, he'll probably want to say, okay, I might want to take 10 or 11. So I think put him in a position where, okay, he'll feel comfortable make him aware that we like him it's so like that he might want like he won't go to like the other route like other guys have gone and say okay i'm gonna leave vancouver now at least you show we'll pay you we'll keep you here now the, the thing with rfas is they're all young they're very young they're 21 22 do you see a lot of free agents doing that this year like the five-year option instead of the eight so they can just go in walk free agency and get more money uh yeah possibly I, I, I don't see why, like, you should do that if you're already going to be loyal to that franchise, like the Mitch Marner and the, like, Connor and Line. Like, I don't see why I'm thinking, oh, I, I, I could get two mil more and three years less. And that just makes the team's window just, you know, like, it just, it puts pressure on not only the player, but it puts pressure on management, too, because, like, it gives them a smaller window to work with, so... I think it helps, though, because then after it shows that management, okay, now we need to raise the salary cap because not everyone's taking $8 million. And if with everyone in the league's making 10, that means it's going to put more pressure on Batman to raise the salary cap to like $90 million And it's like that more people can get paid and all the other players won't be complaining, saying, oh, Crosby's only getting paid $8 million. I don't want to take five. I want 10 too. Then. It's turning to NBA. <laughs> so you're gonna, so you're giving him, you're giving Brock Besser nine million dollars. Yeah. I think I'd give him around seven and a half. You know, I'll go eight by eight. 
Yeah, that's probably. <laughs> yeah, maybe something like that. Uh, how about Timo Meyer? What are you giving him? Because he's not that proven. I know he's really good, but he's not that proven yet. I think uh, this will get a five, six year out of him. And they'll get like a seven mil. I would try to argue a little bit under that because he broke through this year, but still not enough for me to break the bank. Would you get rid of Evander Kane? A 100%. To okay. Meyer. Okay. So that's that's a that's a given. How about this guy? This guy's unreal, Makachuk. <laughs> Good luck, Calgary. You're gonna have to give uh, him a lot of money. You have to max him <laughs> out for like eight years. He's gonna want nine. Oh I my think. god, nine to ten, and he deserves it because he's like the heart and soul of that team, and he's just his two way game is so good. But you know he's gonna ask for that kind of money, and they're gonna have to give it to him because they have no other options. What? Is Monahan and Goudreau getting paid? That is like, for me, that's like the window to look at. Yeah. I think Monahan's in the sixes. So Monahan is getting 6.375, and Goudreau is getting 6.75. They have like how many? So you're telling me Matt Kachuk is going to be the most paid player on Calgary? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's going to happen. That's crazy. Would anyone dare to offer sheet him? (laughs) <laughs> never know i mean like i'm looking here lindholm's getting 4.85 that's a steal of a contract goudreau and monahan under seven that's it's a gift they have that's Anna a fin long term that's a too. gift now the james neal contract <laughs> 5.75 till 2022 he has to be a buyout candidate <laughs> he has to be it could be worse. But if you're Calgary, <laughs> do you want to buy that out? Because then you have he is only thirty. Count. He is thirty-one. Yeah, I would try to trade uh, him. If you're not producing, though, does he, the age really matter? No, exactly. <laughs> Backlund's thirty, and he's getting five point three. Yeah, I like Backlund. Because if you I, see James Neal and him, like, kind of too many guys like that. Uh, let me just quickly tell you the RFAs on uh, on Calgary. They're in a bit of trouble here. Manjapan is an RFA. Sam Bennett's an RFA. He sucks. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> and Matt Kachuk now, RFA. I don't see like Matt, I don't see Matt Kachuk getting more than 6.75. Like I feel like the GM of the of the Flames is looking at it and saying I think Trey Living's going to look at it. I think he's going to like be like, "Nah, Goudreau is like that's the contract you can't go over. Like he's our guy right now. Try and get a six, maybe six mil. Maybe he'll get. I, I could see Kachuk getting a bridge deal. I don't know why. I don't see him getting locked up. Only way if you get him less is if you bring Monahan and Goudreau in the meeting. If not, then he's going to be saying, "Well, I'm younger." Definitely, than those guys. definitely, and, yeah. Like he has to do that, or else he's going to be forced to pay nine million dollars. <laughs> or maybe you could have Mark Giordano come in on the meeting as well because he's getting as well the same. He's at six point seven five. Yeah. For three more years. And he's 35. <laughs> yeah, that's three years. Do you think he's going to maintain that? No. I think next year he's going to get like 40 points, to be honest with you. Yeah. Someone's going to have to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, next up, if you want to talk about someone that might have to go, we got we got Colorado. Miko Rantanen, he's a free agent. He's, I think he's like fourth in scoring over the last two years. Like, what are you, like, what are you giving this guy? I think uh, – Colorado, out of all these all these guys, they might be in the best situation because it doesn't. Well, you look, them, you, no you, you got to see their contracts, man. They're fucking solid. 
Because, like, Rantanen can come in and be like, I want 15 mil, and he won't get it, but they'll be like, okay. Because we still have, like, fucking triple that in cap space. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like, I don't, like, I'm giving this guy no less than eight and a half. Yeah. Just off of what he's done the last two years. Like, this guy is a player. McKinnon has the best contract in the league at 6.3. 6.3? He's only getting $6.3 million. What is this guy going to get in 2023 when he's a free agent? $14 million? <laughs> Probably. Over 10, I'll say. Never know. Um, Landis Cog's at 5.5. Um, Fuck, that's it. Yep. Uh, their third highest paid forward is Matt Calvert at 2.8. Well, they're living life over there. So um, Tyson Jost has one more year at 885. He's not really produced to get a big-time contract. So their RFAs are Sven, Andrigetto, Kerfoot, uh, Comfer, and Rantanen. So I assume that they're going to sign Comfer and Rantanen because Comfer's a player. Rantanen, they have 17 mil in cap space for next season alone. Yeah. So I think he's going to get around $9 million. Nine for eight years. That's, I think that's a realistic option. Eric Johnson's getting six. Barry's getting five and a half. So they have some room there. Another guy we didn't even mention in UFA is Semyon Varlamov. He's a free agent. This might be the, the best constructed team in the league. I cannot believe these guys are signed to the yeah. contracts that they're signed to. Yeah. It's actually... I remember Sackick too. Everyone was like ripping on him. Oh, look what you got for Duchesne. You look at that team now. Sackick's done an amazing job. The only contract that i'd kind of like say ill to is ian cole getting like 4.25 if you're in a situation though where you have all that space for just a few years yeah i mean it's whatever yeah it's not a big deal so i mean i don't know what i'm what i'm giving ranton in but all i know is i'm expecting an eight-year contract that's all i'm expecting i'll stop at a 7.75 for seven for the minimum yeah yeah what do you think's the maximum I'll say ten and a half. I'll say oh, nine and a half. Yeah. Either way, half, like he's gonna, he's a happy camper. Yeah. <laughs> now we got number three. This guy had over a point a game this year. Sebastian Aho. They also made the playoffs. They went to the the conference finals. What the hell is this guy asking for? Ooh, <laughs> nine. Because this guy to me is their franchise player. I. This might sound crazy, but just just because it's Carolina, I can see him getting ten mil. I see him getting ten and a half. <laughs> Do they even have that kind of money? <laughs> let me let me let me let me look at cap friendly here quickly. I think he'll get that, but then they're gonna have to trade. So so their team's gonna be weaker next year because they're not gonna go sign a free agent and be at the maximum cap hit floor of like eighty two million. They're gonna be a comfortable sixty eight million dollar team. Well, their most paid player is Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> For that, yeah, they're gonna buy him up. Jordan Saul's at 6, Tara Vinan's at 5.4, Nita Ryder's at 5.25. Yeah, I, I think um, I think is going to get double digits here. I think he's going to get 10. How old is he, 22? 22. 10 for 8. Yeah, he's going to get, he's gonna get a, uh, you're going to see an $80 million contract go out there to him. I see a lot of Kucherov in that guy. That Just guy's, the poise he plays with. He's, he's amazing. I, yeah, I can see him being up there now here is the biggest question in this pod is mitch martiner what 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 what, what's he asking for because Uh, i hear matthew's money i hear 11 and a half he wants and i'm sorry i'm not giving you 11 and a half 
I'm giving you like nine and a half. But again, he had 94 points this year. He led the Leafs in playoff points too. Like what? Like what are you giving him? Are you giving him? Because I've heard it's either you give him 10 for eight years. Yeah. Or you give him 11 and a half for five like Matthews. I'm going to give him 10 for five. And then I'm going to have Canadian Tire be in the room and say, Mitch, do you like Canadian Tire? If he says no, well, you're going to be their new spokesperson because they're going to pay you $4 million. Wink, wink. We're paying them $4 million to give to you. So you'll be making $14 million for whatever the duration of the contract is. And whatever, like, if that doesn't make them happy, then, okay, you have to go to eight years because we're not going to give you $12 million for five years. You can't give them that. Exactly what he said. So you you say ten mil for eight years. But it really be or for 14. five years. Yeah. Fuck. Get different sponsors in the room because he's a local Toronto boy. It won't. Batman won't say, "Oh, okay, look, why is he getting all this money from these sponsors?" He's from the GTA, so that's where the million dollars is coming from in sponsorships. I feel like he'll get the eleven and a half though, just because he'll be like, "Look at your best player, Matthews. There. Look who had more points the last two years." I think I, I think I think the one thing that the Leafs can try and do is they can look at Kucherov's contract and be like, I don't care how many points you had, Kucherov had 128 and he's getting nine and a half, so they can maybe try and kind of argue that like that's their case. But I could easily see Marner's agent being like, well, my client went fourth overall in one of the best drafts, and he's second in points. He's been better than Eichel. And he led the Leafs in points throughout the whole season. Not just the season, but also the playoffs. So, and as well, like, when you look at playoff performances, Marner's been the flat-out better playoff player than Matthews. Even though Matthews this year was amazing, Marner's just been more consistent. I mean, 11.5 to me is a little too much. I mean, Patrick Kane's getting 10.5, and that guy is one of the best skilled players I've ever watched. So... Again, you're from Toronto. I would expect you to be like, listen, I live here. I don't need the extra 2.5 mil. I'm 22 years old. Like, I don't need 11 and a half. I, I'd rather just get the 10 or the 9 and a half and be content with this team. You know, try and get a pay cut. Because we all know Nylander didn't take a pay cut. Um, we, did, we all know Matthews didn't take a pay Matthews wanted 12, or I think he wanted 13 mil if we got eight years. And that's just... He probably would have got it because it is yeah. Matthews. It's Toronto. He probably would have got it. But he stuck with the 11.64 for five years. And if I'm the Leafs, I don't want to give Marner 11.5 because then you're going to have Marner and Matthews walk five years down the line. And like, like I, five I, years, though. They'll probably have more money. Like That's I know that, they want. I, I know like it's smart for them in the sense like, yes, like they're going to break bank twice in their careers, yeah. not just once. But you got to look at this window. It's like you're making this a, a lot of pressure for Dubas. You only have five years basically to win because I don't know if I see Matthew signing and I don't know if I see both of them signing if they're both going to walk in free agency. <laughs> it's just so tough when you have all these good players and there's we're in a salary cap era. And, like, the agents just get in their heads and it's like, yeah, no, you're worth way more. You're, way, you're worth more than nine and a half. You're worth more than everything. So, like, my biggest question is how much does his agent impact his decision? Because I know Marner loves Toronto. I know he loves the city. I know he loved Marlowe. Marlowe's now gone. But he has to understand that Marlowe left 
so that Marner could stay. So I don't know how much Marner is expecting. I don't know how much he deep down like wants. I know he wants obviously more money, but he loves Toronto. He loves his city. And I think if they want to win, he needs to understand that it's not all about the money sometimes. It's also kind of about, you know, taking a pay cut. That's why guys like Janssen and Kapanen are only looking at like three mil. They know that what it takes to win. They want to win here. So I, I hope that that gets into Marner's head and I hope he doesn't get double digit salary. His parents also live here, so he can just live in his house. That's what I mean. <laughs> My final prediction for this is I will say it will be an $80 million contract going to Mitch Marner. Just like what I just said with Aho. It'll be 10 mil, eight years. I think he'll get his uh, 11 and a half for the next five. Yeah, we'll go with five. They're going to go with NBA money. Five years. Wow. Well, with that being said, we got Braden Point left. And uh, he had a great year. Um, this guy is also a centerman where a lot of teams are looking. I see this guy getting offer sheeted. Yeah, go for it. Either way, I'm matching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. I'm, I'm bra- they got rid of JT Miller, so there's one contract. Um, I could see them also getting rid of a, maybe a couple others, like a Tyler Johnson if they can, or a Palat. Maybe even a Yanni Gordy if they can try and get rid of him because I'm doing whatever it takes to keep yeah. Braden Point. Callahan's contract. I don't know that his back. What was it that they said? He has a back disease, I think. So that's I think LTIR. So they do have that's like ten million dollars in cap right there. Yeah, yeah, points. So I think point. I think he's gonna get around ten mil just off the season he had alone. What do you? What would you give him? Would you give him around ten? In the ballpark there, but like Colorado with Rantanen, like he's gonna get a killing, but it's it's not a whole lot to worry about. No, they're gonna sign him and it's gonna be fine. Well, we've been talking about this for a while. I don't know if you guys want to still talk about hockey or go to fucking wrestling. I don't really care. Um, this is a long podcast. So I guess we, we should just keep going at this point, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, buyout players. There's a lot of bad contracts. Um, who do you think is, like, the number one guy to get bought out? If not Marlowe, like, I think it might be him. Is it around the league or? Around the league. Well, you mentioned James Neal before. Uh, Carl Alsner comes to mind. When yeah, the Habs did yeah, that. It was so funny when they did yeah. that. And uh, I'm so happy we're talking about it now because not a good move. What was it, a five-year deal? It was five at 4.6. Yeah, maybe go with him. <laughs> yeah, I think Corey Perry was uh, the first one and he got bought out. But if I'm Milan Lucic, I'm waving that no-move clause and then they can buy him out. He won't have to deal with all this pressure about him and saying, well, you're not living up to the 7 mil. If he waves that clause in his contract, so he'll lose a few million, but at least he can go to a team and there'll be a market for him. I think right now there's no team willing to give him that money and then Louis Erickson, 6 million. For me, for me, the guy that has to get bought out, maybe not this year, it has to be Brent Seabrook. It has to be because when you have – bold fist come up and you have all these other d that are free agents and like like the options are right in front of you but you have these terrible contracts like he's getting 6.8 for the next five years if i'm chicago i'm doing whatever it takes to try and trade him or just buy him out because even if they have to retain salary even if they have to retain like maybe like three mil like maybe two like something man like his contract's awful, and his game is just dipped. Bad. <laughs> I would wait another year. It's like that you're not retaining too much. Hopefully, put him in every single position. Put him on the first power play this year with Kane. Just pass the puck to Kane. Pile up as many points as possible. Get that value up in February <laughs> and, and try and get rid of him. Try to get rid of him and just retain 500 grand. 
maybe a million dollars, but right now that's a bad contract. Another guy, I can't believe I'm saying this, Kevin Shattenkirk, man. Like yeah. his contract at 6.65. He was a healthy scratch last year for like 15 games. Like it's just not looking good. Now if Truba does stay with the Rangers, like would you buy out Shattenkirk at this point? Because you have D'Angelo, you have po- like you have all these other D. So how many years for them? I think like four. Maybe three. They also have Girardi that they bought out last year. Because they're at a, I don't think they're in any cap trouble, really. But given Not yet, but like a lot of their young D are coming up soon. So Based off his play, yeah. But just because it's the Rangers, I think I would let it slide. But the contract is just so bad. They're pay, they paid him like a number one D. Yeah. Everyone knew from the start he was a number three D. Solid on the power play. He'll get you 40 to 50 He's like points. a berry. Yeah, which is a poor man's very now. Yeah. Because yeah. back then, like, there was there was hope he would be uh, bigger than he was, but his defensive play is just not good, and it continues to fall off, and he's definitely not worth that. No. He's playing with Petrangelo. All right, well, that's it for hockey. Talk quickly about wrestling. I know this is a little longer than average, but oh, well, too bad. You got to keep listening. Um, stopping grounds was Sunday. That was fun. Um, just talk about what you enjoyed, because I really didn't enjoy much. Yeah, the arena was all tarped off. Did you see that? So they drew a crowd there. And uh, I heard the crowd was like one of the worst. It looked like a like impact like zone. attendance wise, like it was like awful. Yeah, they saw the pictures on Twitter, like a, just a huge section, like where the hard cam is. Yeah, they just shut it off. And I just didn't understand the whole show from start to finish. Like I worked, I missed the Ricochet and Samoa Joe match. The one I oh, the one match I was excited for, I missed. Ricochet wins the U.S. title. Might be too soon for me. Um, Samoa Joe again losing another program doesn't really do anything. Uh, Tag matches were good, I like that. Uh, Be- Becky to me was too involved in this pay per view. Yeah, like they revolved the whole main event off of a fucking relationship, and they both have the raw belts. So like, I don't know what they're doing, but I'm not invested right now. Cole mentioned at least ten times. Her, yeah. That, that they dating. were dating. Yeah, we here got comes, it. Uh, Becky Lynch, the boyfriend or the girlfriend of Seth Rollins. Like, oh my god, man. Like, here we go. And then they had polish together with the titles. There's one thing when you when you have a pay per view, programs end, yeah. and you start fresh on the Raw or whatever. This literally did not end one feud, maybe one feud. The the Samoa Joe Ricochet, but that guy don't even count that as a feud. That was like a two week thing because Ray got injured. It's like, yeah, we'll throw another high flying guy in there. Go take it. Whatever. This is what happens when you have pay-per-views every three fucking weeks because things can end before they begin and it's just kind of there when you look back on it after. Like even the Roman Reigns-Drew McIntyre match, I fucking, like I'm pretty sure Shane had more offense than Drew McIntyre did. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it was embarrassing. It was an embarrassing performance. I thought that match was probably better than their Mania match and that's even sad to say. But, like, Drew has just looked awful. And Shane McMahon is just bringing him down. I don't know what Vince sees. Because I know Vince is a, he's a Drew guy. And, like, I don't know why he's doing this with Shane. Like, I really don't get it. And The Undertaker's going to put him down soon. So that's another fall he's going to take. After that match, uh, they did, remember the backstage segment? They're like, on Raw, it's going to be the two oh, of yeah. us. And the crowd immediately, <laughs> A-E-Dub, A-E-Dub. I'm like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. They're supposed to, con- this is where you conclude everything. But no. Didn't Michael Cole just say that 
I'm, I'm pretty sure after Roman won the match, he's like, and that's it. Like, uh, Roman, like, went over here. Like, he, his feud with Shane is done. And literally right after, on Raw, it's mean. I was like, that, Cole, what, all that stuff you just said, throw that out the window. It was a waste of breath. You're just going to have Shane again face Roman for the next two months in a pointless feud. And Kofi's probably going to lose the title to Shane. I can't even I can't even watch wrestling right now. <laughs> Ending on a depressing note. Yeah. I can't do it, and man. We also have uh, the yeah. fact that SummerSlam is here, and I've never been so like disinterested in my life. Like this is not good, man. Gotta hope something shifts within the next month. Like is, like yeah. do I, should we share with the public how much we paid for those tickets? If you want, it's like <laughs> how much is it? Like we paid like five something. Uh, closer to six. Six, it was like five seventy five for the four nights. We're going to the four shows, and like I've never been so disinterested. I am fucking thrilled for NXT. That's, I'm, I'm thrilled for that. That's how we're starting it off. I don't know why, but I'm also thrilled for the Raw after. Don't know why, but I'm excited for the Raw after. It's the crowd's usually bumping after but, the main four pay-per-views, the show after. But right now, SummerSlam, I'm not not looking forward to it at all with the builds and the shit that i'm hearing i'm not looking forward to it what if we see shane mcmahon wwe champ baron corbin universal champ oh and God. lacey evans as your women's champ um unless brock cashes in on shane i don't want to see that <laughs> i mean at this point in time if we're gonna see a brock lesnar face turn and it is a cash in on shane mcmahon i can't believe i'm saying this but that might be best for WWE television right now. It seems genius right now. Yeah. Cause like a lot of people have bashed Brock for so many years. But like if you're gonna have Brock come back, cash in on the biggest, like the most undeserving champion ever in Shane McMahon, then it's you know what? Then Brock being WWE champion might be okay. But I don't want him to be champion till Mania again and then lose the title to Roman in a predictable main event. Or Seth with well, another Yeah, like I d- <laughs> If, if all this is going to just go back to Mania and it's going to be a Roman or Seth versus Brock, like, I don't want to see that again. Or a Roman versus The Rock. I think we're sliding back into that if we were to go down that path. And it, it, it really does suck because Drew McIntyre, I see him as a main event guy. Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, Andrade, the list goes on and on and on and on. But they're all in limbo because it's WWE. Shinsuke, where the fuck is he? I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen that guy since Mania. Uh, I, I'm, no, that's even being generous. Maybe March. I haven't really seen. Yeah. Rusev, don't know where he is. Did he cut his hair again? Like, I don't know what happened. Did he get in trouble? Like, Lana should just give up, quit. Like, <laughs> Yeah, Shinsuke's a big mess. If there's a guy that you can have on TV as a single star right now, and he's nowhere to be found. And he signed, I'm pretty sure, to the company. If like, there is one, employed? Like, <laughs> if there's, like, one heel that I would have face Kofi, I guess... It would, I guess, be Shinsuke because there's literally not a lot of heels out there that are deserving right now. And Shane is definitely not deserving. He could go fuck himself. I'd rather have the Miz turn heel and face Kofi at this point because, like, there's not a lot of options. Why Why can't the Miz at least team with Roman? Why does The Undertaker have to come back? Yeah, I'd, I hear the gong on Raw. Yeah, I'm like, what like, the fuck? <laughs> really? <laughs> and then like, that was definitely when you turned it off. You're like, no. Fuck this shit. I'm done. Okay, I can't but, do it. But going forward, though, on Raw and SmackDown, how much less of this will you be tired once you start seeing Becky and Seth every single week? Or is it getting to that point where it's like, I get it. 
I just don't want to see it anymore. Or like the way just, the relationship it's getting, it's literally getting, it's getting to the point now where I want to see Charlotte Flair come out and win another title. It's getting to that point where it's like, Becky, I love you. You had that great run and stuff, but like, you can't be coming out. You can't be interfering in the universal title picture. You can't revolve one relationship around two main event titles. Like, did you see Lita and Edge hold both titles and they were like on Raw every week and SmackDown every week? And like, no, you didn't see that because they actually knew how to fucking book champions back then. When was the last time it was a properly booked universal champion? Was it Kevin Owens three years ago? Yeah. Yeah. And then botched the ending big time, but probably him. Like, I didn't see Undertaker when he was champ and Michelle McCool when she was champ. Like, they were married. I didn't see her come down with an urn and laugh like Paul Bear. So what the hell is Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins doing every week? Like, we get it. There's Instagram, there's social media, but you don't have to do it on the show. You literally don't. And they're so big. They're both big stars. They can carry themselves. Like, yeah. you don't have to. Seth doesn't need Becky and Becky doesn't need Seth. Like, we both know that they're main event guys. So just let them do their own thing. But according to Seth, the best pro wrestling in the world yep. is right there in WWE. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, maybe in your mind, yeah. Is that him uh, in the WWE bubble, or is he just trying to ruffle some feathers? I think, he's trying I think that's him in the WWE watch. bubble. So he's for real then. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's only being for real because he's basically their guy now. So that's like Cena going on Twitter and being like, I'm the greatest of all time. Uh, WWE is the best. Like... I don't know, man. Like, it's tough. But, like, Will Ospreay replying to that and Chris Jericho replying to that made me so happy. Because so it opened – it opened – it should have opened Seth's eyes, first of all. I don't know if he was joking or, like, he literally meant it. But are you fucking serious? <laughs> like, are you serious? I just watched Double or Nothing a month ago, and that might have been the best pay-per-view I've watched in, like, seven years. Probably more. <laughs> and I don't remember uh, a pay-per-view I enjoyed in WWE, like, since Money in the Bank 2011. That I can compare to AEW. Because yeah. we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Every time we watch a pay-per-view, it's like, it's a, kind of like a Raw. Yeah. <laughs> it's No, but like it's getting to the point with pay-per-views where I'm not even expecting a 7 out of 10 anymore. Like, an average pay-per-view is, like, fine for me. Like, watching at least. Like, I, like we'll all be together, and, like, I'll be sitting there, and I'll be like... All right, like that match ended. Okay, cool. That was like a three out of five. If we see something decent, we played off as that was good because it's so much better than we expected. Like I remember SummerSlam last year. Like that was a great pay-per-view. You had AJ versus Samoa. You had The Miz and Brian. You had uh, Seth uh, and Dean versus Drew and Dolph in that tag match, which was fucking – that stole the show. So like when you have like more than three matches that are decent or good, it's an unreal pay-per-view. Like, you, you can't have a consistent pay-per-view in WWE. You can't have five straight great matches. That just does not happen. Now, why? I don't know why. I guess you have to have bad matches. If, like, you look at New Japan, you look at ROH, you look at even TNA is trying to be better. And they've been better. And we've been saying that for a year now. They've been amazing. But AEW, I feel like every single pay-per-view and every single match they put out, before the match they say, oh, we have a 25-minute limit why does WWE not do that? Like, stomping grounds. It says it's till 11 p.m. Why is it ending at 10.15? <laughs> and why is it ending on such a fucking shitty fucking... E- like, 
oh, Seth and fucking Becky fucking holding arms, slapping each other's ass. Like, why does a paper you have to end like that? Why can't Seth just win clean, curb stomp him, end it, by done, go to the back, hold the title up? No, Becky, I don't want to fucking see her. She opened the show for a reason. I don't want to see her ending the show. This isn't a Stephanie McMahon shit. I don't want to see the authority open every fucking Raw and closing every Raw because we saw that for fucking two years with the authority. That was a rant. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I want to end it on that. Perfect. Like, WWE is not better than AEW. I'm saying that right now. (laughs) One show. (laughs) One show. That's one show. Dustin Uh, Rhodes and Cody Rhodes is better than any match that's been put out WWE this year. Chris, what are your thoughts on a tug of war with (laughs) Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley? Oh, I don't know. Was it better than their arm wrestling match? I don't know. Where the fuck is Leo Rush when you meet him, man? Because they can't even give him $300,000 a year. Yeah, fucking Jericho's getting, what, five mil? I can't pay for my rental car. Oh, that's not our problem. Oh, that's not our problem. You're not good enough. We'll just leave. You don't care about your kids. Change your fucking financial situation. (laughs) Remember what Collab said? He's like, if I'm Leo Rush, I'm not complaining. I'd be like, why fucking not? He just carried Bobby Lashley for fucking three months. Hit him with that pose. Ooh. If it wasn't for Leo Rush, he never would have had an IC title win. I don't think so. I'm happy he's gone because the, the kid's 24 and he can go elsewhere and be so much more successful. Like if I'm Leo Rush, I'm laughing in their face if they say, oh, that's not our problem. Like, okay, I'll just I'll just leave. If I'm Bobby Lashley, I'm going up to Vince McMahon's office. If you're not making me have this match with Brock Lesnar when my contract's up, I'm dipping. Going to AEW will they actually like do something with me because I don't know him and EC3, what they thought in their mind. Why they decided to go back to WWE, but it's looking like a train wreck right What the now. fuck happened with him, too? Like, okay, I, no, we, I can't keep ranting because I'm going to be here for, like, another hour. I guess we got to wait for another episode. We got we to do an episode, though, for real, where we just rant because I have a lot to say. Now would be the time because yeah. they are in this shitter more than ever. Yeah. Like, EC3, I think, has put out five cryptic tweets, and each tweet he's put out is basically saying, I want to get the fuck out of this company. And guess what? He can't because they're going to freeze his contract. Just like what they did with Harper. I'm baffled with him and Lashley, though, because those seem to be Vince guys. Yeah. And they left and they proved themselves in Impact. That's when Impact started to, you know, heat up again. And they come back and there's all this hype and nothing. Like probably the most disappointing comeback I've ever seen because he was amazing in TNA and he was cutting these promos backstage he had like Eric Bischoff by his side. It just it was a great like sight to see like this guy actually getting a shot. And then he comes back to NXT. He's doing great, th- great things in NXT. No, he didn't win an NXT title. Came close, didn't win it against, uh, I think it was Bobby Roode or Andrade, one of the two. He didn't win. Comes up main roster and basically becomes the newest Fandango. Just looking yeah. at himself in the mirror. Like his, his, uh, his vignettes were good. They're like yeah. that was high. I was like, oh Actually fuck, EC3 is gonna be moves. pretty good. And then his strongest suit is his promo work. And yeah. when they first called him up, no they talking, didn't have him say no talking, word. don't talk, don't talk. Any... And that was hilarious. Yeah, we all knew. He's like, do you remember that? He's like, <laughs> oh no, he just leaves. <laughs> I remember when he did that the second time. But yeah, no, uh, we got to talk about WWE next week, free agent yeah. next week, NBA. We'll talk about a little more trades next week, NHL, and we're gonna talk about WWE and how shit it is. Stay tuned.